Hey One Love community, Crespo here. Thank you for your continued listens and support. We love to hear from you through all of our social media platforms, but did you know you could also send us a voice message through Anchor? Here was the latest from Adrian Hoffman in response to episode 16. Hi guys, um, I'm listening to your podcast about completion and the way the ideas and support are bouncing off of each other are amazing. I love the idea of an ABC slash word book that grows with the child and the child, you know, gets to know the characters at different levels. And I have to say, I don't know who's the fellow that wants to do the, the children's book, but the idea about lost ideas, wow. Wow, your friends are right. That's the idea. I'd love to steal it from you, but I'm not going to. Make it, make it. You can have some blank pages where children write down their ideas because, you know, if you don't write them down in some way, you lose them. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode, what are you, 16? 17. 17. Episode 17 of the One Love Art Sessions. Our first of 2021, so yeah. we're coming in on a bang. Let's go. Uh, so let's, let's start with a little bit of housekeeping. As always, um, if you like what you hear, please do us a favor and subscribe. It says it's an easy and free way to support us, or you can go ahead and give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts or review us on any podcast platform you are listening to us on currently. Uh, also, please go to Instagram and follow us at One Love Art Sessions, spelled out One Love art sessions repost and like our content a like and repost is free but is absolutely priceless to us uh as always i'm james lj artist designer avid game show network watcher uh i am an artist and designer and uh, i've been working in the new york city area uh for a very very long time and i'm currently working uh as a product design manager i guess that would be my official title uh, and if you've been with us before, you know I am only one half of the One Love Art Sessions. I cannot do this alone. So everyone, please say hello to my partner in crime, my co-host, the Carol to my Baskins, <laughs> the one and only Crespo. Uh, what's up, One Love community? I'm Crespo, family man, artist, and educator, and the other half of love. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time here, Jay and I put together a virtual series called the One Love Art Sessions. Our goal is to bring talent community together for creativity, heart-to-heart discussions, and chill vibes. For this episode, we're traveling to the West Coast to cut it up and maybe one day break bread with our brothers from another podcast, James and Teacher One. James Chen is a DJ, producer, founder of the LA Street Gallery. I like this. I had to add this. He quit his cush corporate job, sold his house, and started a mission to prove that Chinese Americans can make a name in the international DJ and art scene. Teacher One is a veteran artist skilled in a variety of mediums, most notably stencil work, or at least that's what, I, that's what captures my attention. Teacher works along a unique continuum of the street and studio, uh, creating emotionally evocative images enlivened by deep palettes and rich textures. The better to advance narratives and bring more detail into focus for a citywide audience. And together they are the host of the Paint the Town podcast that's at PTTP show on IG if you want to go follow them right now before we start this conversation. So fellas, tell us, uh, we try our best to, to introduce our guests, but sometimes we always miss something. So teacher, 
tell us a little more about yourself. Oh, man. Um, well, I can definitely tell that I didn't write my introduction. It sounded really nice. <laughs> so much better than and eloquent than I uh, could have said of myself, you know, but that's a typical artist, right? That is. Um, uh, well, let's see. Before, uh, before I was a street artist, um, I was always an artist. Uh, through high school and everything, my, my high school art teacher was this beautiful lady with an amazing body. And uh, she told me about, you know, instead of having to go to college, I could actually go to the, an art school, you know, like where I didn't have to learn all the other shit um, stuff. Excuse me. Nah, um, it's cool. It's cool. We're good? Okay. Yep. I didn't know if we were just, uh, <laughs> my, what level we're at here. My teacher with an incredible body, but I'm going to uh, <laughs> apologize for cursing. <laughs> Wow. You're already way down the rabbit hole, man. Hey, you guys yeah. gotta understand. This is like a way more like formal thing than like what we do. Oh, we're, like, we're like, yo, uh, you know, we kind of <laughs> just hang out on Zoom and sometimes we get high too and just talk. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, teach. <laughs> it's all good. That's 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 about it. Yeah. All um, right. But uh, yeah, and and um, I I basically you know realize I, I'm partially dyslexic. So um, I, I thought that I was just stupid when I was younger, you know, because I, I'm trying hard and, and harder than all the other kids and they seem to be doing better than me. And so I'm like, you know what? I seem to be pretty good at this art stuff. Maybe I should go for that. Um, and here's this art teacher that enlightened me upon this, you know, this art school. And I was like, man, I just, I just want to do all kinds of artwork to impress her. And man, of one of her favorite things that she would ever do. Like, you know, this is for all the guys, maybe even some of the girls, who knows? Um, you know, whenever she would come around to look at whatever you're working on, she would bend over and put her hands on the desk and she would always wear these low cut, you know, blouses or dresses or whatever. <laughs> Dude, at a young age, you know, like I can't yeah, yeah, apologize yeah. for what <laughs> my course, mind did back then. I'm just merely informing you. Of, no, mine was you know, Miss Williams, man. My, mine was Miss Williams. Like I still remember my English teacher. She was so hot, dude. I have the same experience. <laughs> but I didn't go into English though. But anyway, sorry. You me, almost though. did though. I bet you I bet you considered that shit. <laughs> I did. I did. I thought about it. it. It got me out of my well, ESL class, you know what I mean? Shit. <laughs> Mrs. Brogdon. Mrs. Mrs. Brogdon was very inspiring and, and helped to inspire me and got me off to art school, which I ended up getting a bachelor's degree in fine arts, which, you know, um, these days I just, I, uh, I really wouldn't recommend that unless you're going to go into teaching, you know, or something, some specific, um, you know, administration job where you need a, a you know, master's degree and you need to get a, you know, bachelor's degree along the way or something yeah. like that, because yeah. I ended up doing, uh, illustrations, um, and, and, you know, for some couple of magazines and then I, quit doing that because you have, to, you have to be good at nagging people, you know, mm. constantly going, Hey man, I'm still in town, man. Look what, look what I just did. Hey man, yeah. you still around, check me out. You know? And it's like, I'm not good at doing that. <laughs> mm. So, um, you know, I was doing commission paintings of, uh, actually started doing show horses like Arabs and half Arabs. Okay. Ended up meeting some of the richest people in the world wow. and doing paintings for them. Okay. And, um, then, it was really not a whole lot went on until the Pentagon thing came around. Um, 2001, 9-11 had just happened. And I decided to do a series of paintings, the first series of paintings I'd ever done. Before that, I was just trying to sell my shit. Yeah. And so um, I did 12 paintings because I figured I'd put together a calendar because you can reach more people with a calendar, you know? And so I figured, well, to help make a story about the whole thing, 
Um, my dad made some nice frames for each one of these paintings I did, had uh, 10 of the world's religious symbols hidden in each painting. Hmm. Basic message, you know what? You want to get along, look at the big picture, you start picking out all these little symbols, this is where the problems lie. Anyway, so I figured I would, I made some easels, I figured I'd take them to each crash site from 9-11, put them up on easels, take a photo with the you know, crash site in the background to help put together a nice calendar. That's how I ended up at the Pentagon. Hmm. And I had gotten a permit to shoot him in front of the Capitol building. And when I was getting that permit from the police department in the Capitol building, and I was telling about, man, I've been trying to reach the Pentagon and this, that, and the other, like, oh, dude, you're going to have this permit. Just show him this permit. You have, what kind of camera? I'm just, you know, this little camera. Like, oh, dude, you'll be fine. Go on over there. So after I put my paintings up in front of the Capitol building, took a photo, I took them down and drove them over to the Pentagon, drove around, found a nice little grassy spot that had, you know, big enough to where you had the Pentagon in the background and there was cops and motorcycles all over the place. So went to the one closest to me and just to let him know, Hey, you know, here's what I'm doing over here. And he goes, no, you're not. I'm like, well, I was just over the Capitol building and they let me set up over there. I got a permit. He goes, well, let me see your permit. Like, well, here's my permit. And he's like, yeah, well, this is for the Capitol building. Okay. This is the Pentagon. So I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> okay. She saved the day, man. I don't know what okay. they do without you. Um, has your, has but, your whole career been about, People saying like, nah, you can't paint here. And then you're like, well, I got this permit. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering, I'm noticing an actual parallel he's, from he's before using, when you were a street artist. Dude, like, I never really looked at it that way. Holy he's been st I, he's still using the same permit. He's still I, using I envision him getting pulled over for speeding and just handing over the permit for the Capitol. Well, I have this permit. So he's like, nah, 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 this is not going to help you. I had, well, for at least for a while, I don't know if those numbers are still the same, but I had some phone numbers of the... Uh, I guess the guy in the um, manager's office in the Pentagon and a guy in the commercial uh, division in the Pentagon and there are two phone numbers, you know, I, mean, I could uh, legitimately say, Hey, you call this number and they'll validate me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it, okay. So what happened was this guy gave me a number to call. And so I called that number and I got an answer machine. I'm like, you know, left the message. Hey, you know, whatever, this, want to set some paintings up and there's my number. I told the guy, yeah, it's just an answering machine. Was, That's about all I can do for you. Sorry. I'm like, Man, I drove up from Florida to do mm. to get that shot. Luckily, I had some family in New Jersey, so I went and visited them and everything. Then I got back out to California. This guy calls me up <laughs> of course. and says, hey, um, can't let you set the paintings up inside the Pentagon, but if you'd like to set up and work on a painting. No, 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 I'm sorry. If you'd like to put the paintings inside the Pentagon, we'll do that. And I'm like, dude, that... That seems infinitely more complex. Like all I want to do is set them up outside and take a picture. It wouldn't take 20 minutes. You guys don't have to do anything, but you want an, okay, no, you're going to allow me to put my paintings inside the Pentagon. Okay. Now, yeah, of course, a friend of mine from back home, I used to airbrush t-shirts in a little tourist area. And he was like, dude, why don't you sit up next to your paintings in the Pentagon, like airbrush t-shirts and sell them. And uh, I don't know if you can tell by that accent, but I come from a redneck area in Florida. Um, but I was like, dude, they're not going to let me airbrush in the fucking Pentagon. Okay. So, um, but I was like, you know what? If they're going to let me sit there and be on my paintings and no one's coming around, I'm going to get bored. You know, I'm going to see, I'm going to call and see if they'll let me work on a painting. And the guy, I didn't find this out until later. The original guy that I talked to was on vacation when I called to get permission to do this. And the guy's like, yeah, you're going to be right outside the, building manager's office between corridors one and two, you know, second floor near the A-ring, no problem, you know, because he thought this other guy had gotten an NASA permit for me to be there. Huh. So come to the day I'm supposed to be there, in there, 
the first day I'm staying in a hotel room and they're like, uh, yeah, we got a problem. You have to wait till tomorrow. Huh. I'm like, okay. Just keep stacking. And so the next day I go in, I'm sitting outside the Metro entrance for about an hour. And finally this guy comes out and get, gets me, Rick Dawkins brings me in and we're sitting in the office and, um, there's the associate building manager, the deputy building manager, um, and two other higher ups. And dude, there was something going on. And like, I'm just sitting on the couch watching everything. And finally one guy was close enough to me. I didn't feel like I was intruding. And I'm like, Hey man, what, what, what's going on? And he's like, you. <laughs> you know what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, all these guys are in here for, because of me. He goes, well, you know, didn't have the right permit for you, you know, we got to figure out what to do with you. You know, we got in here, you got your paintings and stuff. You're not supposed to be here. So, you know, we got to figure out what we're doing here. Nice. And I'm like, okay, I'll just sit back down then chill. You let me know. I'm right here. <laughs> they let me set up. The third day, this guy happened to come back from his vacation. And he just got reprimanded big time. Every day I went into the metro entrance, I'd have to call in. That day he got on the phone and I don't know what you're doing in here. It's just supposed to be the paintings. And I'm like, whoa, Jeremy Cuthbertson. Ooh, he was not happy with me. I come in, get all set up and everything. He comes back out and he's like, there's the original paperwork. See, just the paintings. Not you. you can stay here the rest of the day, but then that's it. It's just the paintings. I'm like, okay. But dude, it had already, like the first day went down and second day, like people were bringing me coffee and donuts and thanking me for being there and everything. Like it went over 10 times better than I ever thought it would have. Oh man. And people kept stopping by and they'd be like, what are you trying to sell the paintings? And what's going on? I'm, no, no, no. I just want to give you guys something else to look at. You know, I'm here working on the painting. I'll be working on it till I'm done. And they're like, how did you get in here? I'm like, well, building management. Well, <laughs> the, uh, the second week was different. All of a sudden, all those people that I told, including some two-star generals, went in and were like, dude, you guys are awesome. Thanks for getting this guy in here, man. I'm gonna get, you know, recommend you guys for you know all kinds uh -huh. of you know uh, rewards and shit, you know. So that following week, I was like the prince of the Pentagon. They called me the resident <laughs> artist of the Pentagon. Hey, check that out. Wow. That's I awesome. ended up going back like seven times. I'm still supposed to put together some kind of program where they have either one or two stations where for a week at a time, you know, like during business hours when most of the people are in the Pentagon, you come in, you sit there, you work on your painting, you got some of your shit around you. Yeah. And dude, it, it, it just, I started there and then I started going to other places, military bases, but then it expanded to police departments, fire departments, courthouse complex, um, city hall. Mm. And then I realized, you know what? I'm basically turning art into a community service in a way because I'm taking art to the people who are, are doing, you know, service to the community. Yeah. And it has much more of an effect when they get to see it happening. You know, when they get to see it developing, as opposed to just bringing in some paintings and just sitting there. When they get to see the artist there and they, when I start, I'm there with a blank canvas, maybe a sketch down. And then I just start painting, you know, there's always an awkward conversation. There always was. I'd, my hometown in, in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, I went to the, the police department. I'm like, hey, you know, I uh, wanted to see about working on a painting in here, you know, possibly like that area right over there, that empty area. Is there anything ever good? No, no. Now, what, you want to do a mural on the wall? No, 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 no. This is actually a, it's a project that started in the Pentagon. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, you just let me know and we'll get that. Uh, <laughs> do you have a, well, do you have a phone number we can call to, you know? And I'm like, here you go. 
<laughs> and he, they would call in and they're like, okay, yeah, sure, no problem, man. Just get you set up in here. And they didn't know, they would never understand exactly what I was talking about until once I was there. So once I was there, they're like, oh my God, you're going to, are you going to, are you going to be here later? And can I see this like when you're done? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be here all week until I am done with it. Well, that kind of yeah, go ahead. go ahead, James. I was saying that that, that kind of like was teacher's previous art career before he became a street artist. <laughs> before um, I became a vandal. Yeah, I mean, but but you know, uh, it's like kind of like public. Got arrested and spent the night in jail. <laughs> yeah, pu <laughs> public Cheers. art and community service. You know what I mean, and things like that. So you know, I connected with teacher when um, he became a uh, street artist. Actually, I think like in 2010, 11, they were t taking budget cuts from um, the uh education right and in in california so basically teachers started doing some graffiti and he started doing uh the teacher moniker and you came up with that around 2011 right teach yeah actually it was 2000 the end of 2010 okay and um yeah dude i, I came out i moved out to to california and didn't like the way they do the propositions out here with voting it's like they, they take a, a thing and then they shove in some, and it's like, you got to fuck one thing in order to get something else. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I, when I first came out here, I saw some graffiti. I'm like, man, I want to do that, but I couldn't think of anything. So when this came up, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do graffiti, but I'm going to use it as an activism. And since my wife was the one that showed me the article in the newspaper, she's from Europe. She's amazing. Very, very intelligent. Um, you know, kind of blaming it on her. So she's like, yeah, okay, I'll support you. And uh, like I said, when I when I did get arrested, she came and bailed me out. So, well, I um, think but it was yeah, yeah right. it was right around then that James did a uh, I, his uh, guys got in touch with me and, and asked if I'd be down to let them do a uh, an interview. They were putting together some interviews for the LA Street Gallery for yeah, LA Street Art Gallery. All right, so hold on, so hold on, teacher, because yeah. now at this point, uh, before we get too deep into LA Street Gallery, I do want to know James how you got you how you got all wrapped up in this because uh, yeah. so. That cush job, what was it? I was a pharmaceutical Ooh, yeah. sales rep, man. A pharmaceutical sales, a rep. drug yeah. dealer. Like, yeah, yeah. Drug, okay. technically, that's I, yeah. a drug dealer. <laughs> no, you Where know, I come you know, from, I always say, like, uh, have you seen that movie Love and Other Drugs with Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> well, I know the rest of this because I heard your, I heard a previous interview. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I hate to be repetitive, and I don't. No, want it's to okay. The same thing in every no. interview, but it does lead up to how LA Street Art Gallery got started. Okay. Basically, you know, um, I, I, I basically was always a DJ since college, man. And then I had this job where I basically had to deliver drugs to different doctors, man. And it was in the Melrose area. And, you know, all the street art started popping up. So I started taking pictures of it. And we started, I noticed that there was like no community, um, even though there was a bunch of these artists, right? There was like a, a not really a hub where um, artists can kind of get together and talk. So we just started this page called LA Street Art Gallery on Facebook. And then- uh, Not the posting. name. Yeah, That's, yeah. I mean, like no one had the name. I, I thought, that, name was, I thought that was incredible when I first when I first started listening to your podcast and and, and uh, I heard I heard teacher mention that in one of the one of the conversations that LA Street Gallery was just there for the taking. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was just like, wait, wait, it's here for the taking. Like, the whole <laughs> thing is like there's a movement and LA is like one of the hubs. Like what the fuck, you know? And then right. so um, at that point in time, I was like, you know what? I, Honestly, for uh, the you know being a pharmaceutical rep, it was it's a nice cush job for like a housewife, man. Like you know, you go in, you drop, <laughs> off, you drop off. Calling yourself a housewife? <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's why I had to get out of there, man. Like straight up, my job. We all was, have like, dreams. We all have dreams. Yeah, I mean, we I had a cater, I had a cater lunches for like doctors' offices, get to know the front desk ladies, you know, 
chatted up with them. And then so you can get like two minutes in the hallway with the doctor, basically. And then all you're saying is like my drug, I was selling a, a high blood pressure medication called um, uh, a Darby and also some acid reflux. Nothing fun, you know, nothing fun right. like boner pills. No blue or, pills for you. No, no, no Adderall, <laughs> no boner pills or anything like that. You know, I mean, no, no, nothing like that. But, you know, you can stand the hallway and basically you're just like, hey, doctor, what's up? My drug's name this. You're kind of just reminding them to prescribe. Right. So to be honest, I understood the system. I, I, at that time, I was like, man, I hear that healthcare. Cost- give them a little bit for free. You know, here's yeah. some little tasters. Well, also, I heard guys. that healthcare costs was like going up all the time. And I'm like, dude, I'm just sitting here like literally doing nothing every single day, but catering lunches and like saying hi to the doctor and saying my drug name. I just felt really useless. You know, and I realized I was like, man, like I thought like you if you have the money and you have like a nice job and you can kind of relax, like you'd be happy. Right. You know, but not I wasn't happy because uh, um, at nighttime I was moonlighting still as a DJ, you know, and I I just DJ at clubs and stuff like that. And I'd sunk all my passion into that. And I would just Mm. do this mindless job of delivering drugs every single day to the doctors. And my highlight was taking pictures of street art along the way of different offices, basically. You know, so um, so it kind of leads into the story of how I met teacher, actually. So during that period of time, we kind of chose a few artists. He's like one incident away from being a a serial killer. I'm killing. (laughs) I'm killing. I'm kidding. Yeah, you are. (laughs) And then so uh, at that time, you know, we picked a few artists that I felt like had um, some pretty like uh, good messages out there. And I feel like would be in the scene for a long time because, you know, people jump in and out of street art all the time. They they think of a sticker and they're like, oh, I'm going to be the fucking greatest i'm gonna be shepherd fairy man this sticker is gonna be the shit you know what i mean and you know they 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 do one run they do it all and then they give it to their friends and then they kind of fall off you know what i mean we all know those people right yeah so um we picked a few artists and kind of just followed them along and it's almost been um 10 years now since we've been doing that and uh you know it's just great to still have these uh artists it has been 10 years it's 2021 dude well, actually, officially, it's going to be uh, March, actually, that, that um, we, we started this whole thing. You, you know what I mean? So it hasn't yet, but uh, very close, you know. If it wasn't for the pandemic. Next month, excuse me. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm sure we'd be throwing some, uh, 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 you know, party of some sort to kind of, like, gather everybody. because we have- No, 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 no. Yeah, we can't do that, though, because we're Not in California. Yet. Yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, like, you know, for my music stuff, man, I've always kind of just, like, worked on it. Uh, on the uh, side as well too. And after I quit my uh, pharmaceutical job, you know, I just started working on LA Street Gallery of Music, man. Teacher just put on a, uh, uh, a mask um, of some sort. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't have a video component at the moment. We'll just be, we'll I'm, be on- I'm COVID safe now. You can, guys, well, you guys can, you can do whatever you want. Well, if you're listening I'm, to this I'm podcast, good. you can go to our YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash Gallery, and you can check out this episode on video, man, because, uh, you know, you can also check out some of the old videos that we've had on there from like 10 years ago. Like you can check out the video of when we first interviewed teacher. This guy was a young man, dude. You know what I mean? He, he, he had like Fuck children. You, dude. Yeah, then all of a sudden it's like, dude, you could just watch it. Okay. Like, so I had more hair. I did have more hair. Okay. You know, and, and so, well, we always yeah, joke about was, that. Uh, a lot less great. Yeah, too, man. I mean, sure. at the end of the day, I just felt like See, some of my hair just fell off. Then look at that. See, it just <laughs> nice haircut, by the way. You didn't stay. You didn't keep the uh, the fucking mullet. No, dude. No. <laughs> so, so James, just uh, just uh, I get I guess to close up the the part of of you DJing. Um, 
Are, you're still currently DJing though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I'm from California. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm born, uh, in, you know, Monterey Park, San Gabriel Valley. If you know the local neighborhoods, man. And <clears throat> you know, the thing about LA is everybody, at least before, everybody comes here for like, oh, I'm trying to make it. You know, I want to make it as a DJ. I want to make it as an artist. I want to make it as a music producer or something like that. And actually, there's like a lot of talented people here locally too. And sometimes we just kind of like do the local LA scene, man. And yeah. The cool thing about street art is that it allows us to connect with people like you guys on the East Coast. It allows us to go to uh, <clears throat> Europe and then immediately have like friends. Uh, uh, you know, it's like a brotherhood of people, man. And, yeah. you know, it's of artists and creatives. So it's just like I found myself that, you know, I don't really uh, understand how the music industry works, to be honest. You, you know mm. what I mean? Maybe I'm not like good looking enough or something. Maybe I'm, you, you know, what I mean, maybe I need to actually be from. <laughs> fucking asia and be imported into the music industry but you know i'm plugging away at you know working on music all the time and uh yeah. you know I've, I've been working uh i used to like uh, work for a pretty well-known uh uk dj as a producer as well too okay. for their radio show so like i said i've just been all around creative and the reason i quit my quote-unquote cush job man is because you know i just want to tell people it's like if you're slaving away at your mindless job man and just for a paycheck man you're a fucking whore, dude. So quit that shit and do what you're passionate about, you know? Unless you have kids and you need to support, then oh, it's different. hold it in. Don't have kids. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have kids, go for it. Seriously. If you, if you don't have anything holding you back um, but yourself, then, uh, yeah, uh, if you had some uh, dreams and aspirations, uh, fucking uh, go for them. Definitely. Are you guys married? As, man? Uh, what? Sucks. Are you guys married? Oh yeah, I'm married, yeah, with, a married? with a kid. Yeah. Oh, oh but okay. I'm not married to yes. Jay though. Uh, no, 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 no. We're not <laughs> married to each other. What I was like, dude. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. No, you know yeah, what? No, it's funny, that. man. It's funny. No, I'm like. Didn't strike me that way <laughs> yeah. at all. He's a oh, great well, guy. He's but not, he's not yeah, my yeah, no, no, well, I'm just opposite people. I'm actually in the minority, I guess. Then, like, you you know, I almost got married one time, man. But you know, as a missile. <laughs> but the, cool thing, the cool thing is like you know what um like i didn't and i have happiness and time <laughs> there you <laughs> to go like, to like do shit so anyways the pandemic has been pretty chill for me you know, you know what i mean just like I, I social distance and isolate myself anyways because i'm not married at all. oh you know what the, the the um the podcast has been really kind of a savior during the the pandemic as far as giving us you know, not only something to do, but just outreach and, and, and talking to other people and stuff. Um, we kind of obsessed on it and did like, I don't know, was it three or four times the number of podcasts? Yeah, we used to do COVID. Just gets, we used to just do what are you doing? Nothing, man. Time, want to do another, man. Okay, you want to do another one? Okay, let's do another one. <laughs> yeah, we used to get together on the weekends or like, uh, you know, if we, um, you know, have some time. And the thing is, like, the good thing about uh, the pandemic is that most people, aren't doing anything nowadays right yeah. and it doesn't take too much uh, out of their time to do a, like an hour zoom conference and the thing is like actually it's like we did like triple the amount of episodes we did the first two seasons um <clears throat> in the third uh season because there's just so much time we already had a built-in audience uh before the pandemic started you, you know to start uh yeah. to listen so a lot of people wanted to come on so we're just like hey uh, we we got time, you know, to come on. So we kind of limited it to two a week that we were doing um, when we would sometimes only do two a month before, you know. So right. um, the cool thing. And is you know what? This is this is like a therapeutic thing for us. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Like uh, you, you wonder like why why do guys do podcasts like this? And 
And, um, you know, if we don't have like big sponsors right away, how do we keep going with it or whatever? It's because it's like a neuroplasticity type of a thing. You know, we're, 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 we enjoy, um, having conversations and, and giving people an opportunity to get art to know artists in a different way and in a different medium. And when you do something like that for somebody and you're not expecting anything at all in return, um, man, it's just like a, not only a mental, but a physical well-being that comes with it as well. Um, and I told James, I was like, dude, I don't care, you know, what the fuck happens with, you know, if we get like huge sponsors or whatever, um, I can do this till the day I die. You know, like when, maybe not till the day I die, I want to get old and shit. People are like, dude, you're fucking up. You got the dementia's really fucking with the whole show. Okay. You like repeat yourself three times and it's, it doesn't work anymore. Okay. Just eat shit. Okay. You know, um, when James first asked me, um, it was, uh, you know, years ago and, and I, you know, I remember, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that. That'd be good. You know, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I ain't got fucking time to do that. I don't know. And, uh, and also, also, the other thing that was in the back of my mind was I remember at that time he had asked me, I had done um, a, a podcast not long before, and uh, it was, you know, about an hour long, 45 minutes or something like that. And I just remember I had said like a ton. I told a bunch of stories and everything, and then I glanced over, and it had only been 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, dude, how are we going to fill an hour, like, night after, well, you know, like, show after show after show? You missed one part, Teach. It's like, a lot of times, Teach would have art shows, and he would ask me, hey, I need a DJ to kind of, like, DJ the art show. Mm. Can you just come by and, like, kind of, like, be some sort of entertainment for people when people come in and things like that, right? So I, I had done that for him for two shows, and then whenever, uh, like, I would have the show with him, I was like, oh, dude, like, Teach, I love his art. We always have great conversation, actually. I, and then um, sometimes I chat with him on the phone about the setup of the uh, the art show. And then we would kind of get carried away and talking about random shit. And then uh, I was like, dude, we can definitely, I, mm -hmm. I can definitely yeah. do a podcast with this guy. I was looking for somebody to do a podcast with. And Matt, it, believe it or not, I actually had the idea of doing the podcast back in 2011 when we started. But the thing is, like, uh, we, had, we had to resort to interviews, actually, because, I mean... People don't really want to talk to you for an hour. Yeah, right? it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Exactly, an open door policy. It's like, right. oh, why are you on? Okay, here I come. And people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if like, they don't know who you are, right? You know, yeah. and after like ten years, people establish, okay, like Ellie Shark Gallery. We know them. We know they're not cops. We we know their mm -hmm. what, what their motivation is. Right. We know that fucking asshole teacher got arrested, so he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and thing is like, you know, for us and talking about sponsors and things like that, we actually want to bring this up because we actually have a new paint line coming out. It's called uh, Ghost Spray Paint. OK. And the thing is, like, it's actually you turn this around and it's the OG spray paint. Okay? Hey. Uh, there you go. Right. And it's actually made by um, it's made by Seymour uh, Spray Paint, which is actually the inventor of spray paint. Ed Whoa. Edward Seymour. He's actually the OG inventor of spray paint in 1947, actually. So before you got to wow. think about this, okay. before, before that, there was no, like, spray paint going on. You, you know what I mean? People were just, like, right. maybe, like, drawing on the wall with paintbrush, right? Technology didn't really allow that. So we actually went to the original uh, founder of spray paint, which is one of my customers, actually. And then they did Literally, a the OG. And they did a private label for us. So uh, follow Go Spray Paint on uh, Instagram, and then you'll... Uh, we're going to be giving out some cans and having some Whoa. events and things Whoa. like that. James, when is that? Hey, what were they spray painting in 1947? Like the side of malt shops? Like what were they? Well, well <laughs> you know, actually. Everything. You know, <laughs> anything and everything that can be sprayed. You know about, um, <laughs> do you know about uh, 
Boo, I mean, um, Boo is here. I, I yeah. only knew about it from from you guys talking about it. Oh, okay, I didn't okay, oh okay. shit, okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. let me let me bring it up too. Uh, basically, in the trenches, okay, of uh, during the World War, during the World War, Australians basically, uh, do I, I? You gotta let, let me share the screen, or else I won't be able to bring it up. Yeah. Do we uh, do that? Uh, give me a second. Let me. I got you. For anyone listening on a podcast, we'll 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 figure out if like again, like uh like James the teacher said, whatever you can't see in the podcast, head over to their YouTube channel and, and you'll yeah. be able to catch it. YouTube.com slash art gallery. I totally forgot this was gonna be on YouTube. I didn't even I would have got my makeup done. I would have put it up. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, I combed your beard, dude. You look fine. You look great. I got beard yeah. in me. Oh, there it I is. try okay. to grow a beard like that. I look I look, you know, like, like deliverance. There's two images that are kind of like the original graffiti images. Boo was here or Kilroy was here, basically. I, I'm sure you guys have kind of seen Yeah, we know those. I know, yeah, right. I've you seen know. it before. Yeah. yeah, this is this is happening, uh, you, know, you know, post-war, maybe a Korean war and things like that. Or some of, There's Australian graffiti. Sometimes it says World War One. I'm like, I don't know about that because spray paint wasn't even invented. There. But they could have been drawing it on the walls. So you, you, sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So. It's just a pretty interesting story. And for us, man, I just feel like uh, me as a DJ, I've always just loved underground culture, man. I go to underground raves. I DJ underground raves. That's where I feel at home, man. I want to go into a fucking shady ass area with graffiti on the wall and then find a dope ass party like where I find Do some friends. seedy things. <clears throat> you, know, you know? Yeah, that's very, uh, very European. Well, like, no, going I mean, into places in Europe, they're kind of like that. They're very... That's true. But I have been yeah. to places in Brooklyn, too, man. I've, oh, I've true. Gone, Very I've true. Gone to, uh, I've, I've gone to some dope ass like uh, uh, raves in in uh, um, you know Brooklyn, New York, and things like that, man. And the vibe there is just super cool, man. I love like mm -hmm. when you go to raves in New York, people are always up with their fashion, man. Like you know, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like for 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 West Coast people, man. I feel like everybody's just there in like jeans and t-shirt. But you know, in New York, sometimes it's cold outside. You got to get your nice jackets on. You got to get your kicks boots on. You, you know what I mean? So like, just go there and check out some cool New York fashion sometimes too. That's a, that's actually a perfect segue. Thank you for that. Uh, I feel like I paid you to to do that. <laughs> um, here. Because <laughs> because you know every episode that we do. Uh, here has has a name and the name of this episode we decided was west coast uh we like to you know, we like to focus on a different topic and obviously where with you guys come from the west coast it was a no-brainer right uh so what we wanted to really do is explore the effect uh the region of that region on art forms so james i guess you can start can you tell us uh what cali has done for you and your career like how is mm. you know what's well, the what's the effect yeah, well, you know, I'm born here, man. So first of all, it's home, you know, and second of all, uh, I, I always see it like this, like New York, it's a walking city, you know, LA, it's like so much more massive because we got to drive in terms of like longer distances, you know, and then uh, I always just feel like all these like LA streets, man, there's just like so much cool culture going on. You, you know, it's LA is inspired by the streets. If you think about it, um, you know, just the West Coast hip hop, man. You, you know, before that, LA, the LA sound in the 80s was the Sunset Strip, man. Okay, we're talking hair metal. And before that, in the 70s, it was like the Eagles were the LA sound, you know? And then before that was surf rock. So it wasn't until like 
the late 80s and the 90s and because of all the rioting and all the kind of bullshit going on in the inner cities man that hip-hop and this just this gangster flavor just overtook los angeles man so it seeps into everything that we do it comes into our music it goes into our graffiti it goes into with the way we dress man and uh it's just very inspired by kind of like hood culture man so uh for cali for me it's just like i know uh you know I grew up here and, um, you, you know, I know the neighborhoods that I, I, I basically I'm familiar with and there's just different boroughs. It's very segregated, you know, so we get kind of like a spectrum of the entire world, just like you guys do get in New York. But we are a little bit more segregated. You can't just walk down the streets of Chinatown to get some good yeah. Chinese food. You might have to drive like fucking 45 minutes in traffic. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, anytime I've been to LA, it's like, oh, that's that's only uh you know five miles away, and it takes like thirty minutes. <laughs> oh, that's only three blocks away. It takes thirty minutes. Like, can I ask you what? I, I think I got from? I got stuck in traffic one time during a, an award show, and I think that oh. was the worst. I was oh, yeah. I was in traffic for like two and a half hours. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> you know the thing is, like most people when they come to visit LA, if you're if you know about LA, I mean, you probably only go past a certain freeway like a 110 or something like that but actually all the people who are uh in transplants they they move like closer to downtown all the people that grew up and that considers themselves la that goes all the way like an hour east of central downtown la and you'll people still say i'm from la you, you know even if they're <laughs> even if they're from like san bernardino sometimes which is riverside county which is closer to the desert already those if they're if they're somewhere else in the world if they're from new york they ask where you're from they probably say la you know what I mean? right. just because it's closer you know so yeah. can i ask you guys what boroughs are you from i'm originally from manhattan oh, okay. West nice, side of manhattan. Nice, okay yeah not me i'm i've always been a, sub a suburbs boy i grew up on long island so I i've never actually lived in new york city okay dude i feel like yeah, people island. people from long island those, those are the ones when they go other places they go yeah, yeah i'm from new york city never <laughs> That's the same, <laughs> same exact thing. It's the same That's, thing. It's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing. It's the same <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like, Those are desert people. For us, for us. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. For us, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's LA County, right? I don't know how your counties work, but like Los Angeles County pretty much goes like, I would say an hour uh, east of the coast. I mean, sorry, an hour east into the coast. You know, you'll still be part of LA County. So, I mean, you, you technically are still from LA, right? So mm -hmm. there, there you go. Like how, how are there counties? Like it's different counties in, in Long Island. Outside of New York City. So outside, outside of New York, York City, it's all counties. Yeah, so like on Long Island, it's Nassau County and Suffolk County. Oh, okay. uh, I, I live in Nassau County. But yeah, the okay. boroughs are their own, you know, their own independence. And then once you leave, then you get to, you get to uh, Westchester as a county and then so on and so mm. forth. Like we build up out into the state. Is it true that people like kind of like they go to New York City to start working and then when they want to have families, they settle down in Long Island? At least that's what I learned from friends, man. I'm just saying. No, I'm, I'm I moved to Jersey. <laughs> I didn't go in that direction. I think that's an old thing, but but not not wrong. Uh, probably, but an older mindset, though, like from generations past. Mm -hmm. um, OK, yeah, OK. Yeah. I, see. No, most, I mean, it's still I mean, for the most part, most people will, uh, you know, if they move to the city or they're from the city, be here in their, their 20s, maybe part of their 30s. But once you start a family, there's a large segregation that'll move outside of the city. Or if you have money in your pocket, a lot of them, you'll see them gravitate toward, you know, the wealthier areas of Brooklyn now and okay. things like that. So Brooklyn has become a very, like, young hipster family. Uh, what, about, what, what about, like, upstate, man? Do you, like, how do, how do the, the city people view? Is it the same as, like, the Long Island people? Like, 
um, or upstate New York is like a little bit different. Shout well, everything upstate. everything past the Bronx is 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 Canada. So <laughs> anything that's Canada. Uh, so I, I think I I think uh, what happens is it, it it takes a while. It's like a gradual uh, experience for for you to leave that city mindset. So going up into Yonkers, going up into Westchester, but then upstate New York and West New York are they consider themselves two different things as well um so uh i don't to say upstate new york i mean you know i, I guess towards the playoffs we all became we all became bills fans because it was our last <laughs> you know what i mean so everybody's trying to hold on to something new york are, are um, you guys football fans <laughs> yeah. yeah okay like you know i'm a casual fan man my team is the raiders man they they were here when i was a kid but you know they're they're coming back you know we got that new stadium in new york it, it's gonna be cool but how you guys feel about the Super Bowl, man. I mean, you guys got new uh, I'm a 49ers fan, so. Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, like, so. you know what? When I was a kid, I, I loved Joe, watching Joe Montana play, too. So yeah, I, of course. I man, have a soft course. spot for uh, uh, <laughs> the Niners, even though I'm a Raider fan, you know. Like, I'll yeah, go to yeah, a Niner yeah. game, man. But I, I, before, in the black hole, man, I, will go, I won't go to the black hole, man, to go to a Raider yeah. game. Fuck that. Well, I'm a, I'm a 49ers fan, and I'm a whatever <laughs> team is playing against Tom Brady fan. So that's why I am for the Super Bowl. I guess we know who he's going for. I think the Super Bowl is going to be awesome. Uh, I, I, definitely, I definitely have this argument all the time that sometimes the conference championships are better than the Super Bowl because by the time those two teams meet, it may not be the best from both, both conferences. But um, mm-hmm. this one in particular, I think, I think we're going to see something epic. So I'm ready well, for it. Well, check this out, man. I always say, like, you know, Tom Brady, man. People always say, like, ah, oh, dude, that guy – fucking has everything in life that guy's dating giselle he fucking has like six super bowl rigs man what does this guy fucking have have enough right you know what i mean but people he's a genetic freak people don't understand how do you feel about what's that how do you feel about tom brady i'm just curious like i'm stoked man i think he's inspiring a lot of uh you know guys that are getting concerned they're getting old not able to produce much anymore you know i mean (laughs) fucking hey man you go from a number one team to the absolute last team, Worst team and bring him into the fucking super bowl it doesn't you can't really go much further higher you know than that <laughs> so but he's saying that he's okay with playing past 45 yeah. from what yep. i understand so he say that let, wait till he gets to be my age okay let's see how he's walking around let's see how them but you know what by that time they could have some kind of stem cell research injection thing or whatever the CRISPR, that you get. it's man. like a Brand new knee or hip or whatever, like hey, there we go. I'm 55, man. <laughs> he's gonna well, have, cy- have cyborg legs like uh, Darth Maul. He'll be out there playing. <laughs> I like that. He's man. good. He's a, I'm like, yeah. obviously he's a great fucking quarterback. He's not going out past his time. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. people saying, "Hey, man, look, like, like your, your your team is like, you know, you're not dead last, but you're not. I mean, he's fucking number one. So yeah. as long I'm- as you're close to number one and you dig doing it. Fucking go for it, man. Just just be ready. Just be ready for that 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 either handful of fucking pain pills or or CBDs or whatever you're gonna be doing because there's the pain is coming. The pain the is coming. About Tom at some Brady point. that <laughs> I always respected, man, is people always feel like this guy is like he has everything in life. But the thing about this, man, when he got drafted, he was like a sixth round draft pick, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That guy was he sitting on the fucking bench like fuck. Nobody wants me. God damn it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's why I like, you know, like I, he, he, well, does, he did so well. He got pissed off. I was like, I'm going to show you motherfuckers. You know, you know what Six I mean? round. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's a, like a comeback story. If, if you look at it from that point of view, you, you know what yeah. I mean? He, like he, he hasn't. And you know, 
I, like for me, for myself, like I went through puberty pretty late, man. So I was always like a catch up guy. You, you know what I mean? I'm always, I was like the smallest fucking guy. All my friends are fucking taller than me, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like, I understand like, first of all, being picked last and shit like that, you know? And second of all, it's just like coming back from the behind and then like kind of like working your way because at the end of the day, it's a long journey, right? And uh you know, so that, I do respect him about that, but goddamn, dude, he's very hateable. He, you know, you know what I mean. It's like, <laughs> but go ahead. And he doesn't care if you hate him. I mean, come no, on. No, he doesn't give. He doesn't give. Oh a yeah, shit. I love that video of him and Gronk, man. This, the second video, dude. That oh. they, they they redid the the P Diddy Bad Boys for Life thing. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> I had that face just stuck in my fucking head. I was like, this motherfucker, dude. But <laughs> what can you say, man? What can you say? You, you know what I mean? But. <laughs> all right let's come back around here teacher but yeah let's circle but i don't know how we got to tom brady and i'm gonna have to re-listen to this episode to figure out <laughs> how we, we got do. that That's far down the rabbit hole. sorry but sorry. no 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 it's no it's Just amazing going, like, it's organic conversation now anything else no but we're gonna let's circle back on let's circle back on you then and why don't you kind of dive in and maybe we'll end up on lebron why don't you dive in and tell us um how you know the west coast has influenced your art the uh the west coast um kicked me in the balls uh, really hard and then when i was bent over holding my nuts it fucking put its full foot right up into my ass um as far as art goes like um you know i thought i was some kind of shit and um actually I, I, art and volleyball started with volleyball that was the first humbling like I was some kind of shit in Florida, you know, cause I'm, I'm six, three and I can jump pretty fucking high for a white guy. And, um, I was pretty good in Florida, you know, and thought I was going to come out here to California, maybe take a year or so to get my triple a, you know, and start picking up some partners, start playing some professional two man beach volleyball, mm. <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. It, um, just to give you a, a quick story to give you an example of how humbling it started was um, like my first time playing down at the Santa Monica Pier, okay? It's the only area where you can come and sign up and play. Otherwise, you have to know somebody, you have to be you know, going down there with someone you know, reserved courts and shit. So anyone can go there. My friend of mine showed me there. I go, I sign up, wait my fucking turn. Everyone's taking forever because it's the fucking West Coast. Um, <laughs> where I came from, you play games to 11, next game's ready to go, boom, boom, boom. Here, games of 15, then they start warming up for the next game. It's like, come on. I pick up some dude, little muscle guy, and, you know, he's pretty good. And I'm, like, thinking, okay. I'm watching the other guys. I'm, like, okay. Tell him, like, look, man, let's take it easy. First game was against a couple of old guys. Um, <laughs> one guy was 73 years old. And the other guy was 58. Okay, at the time, I'm 30 years old, 31, maybe. And I remember telling my buddy, hey, dude, let's take it easy. You know, let's not get spend expend too much energy this game because you know if you win you hold court you know i wanted to hold court for a little while get some good games in <laughs> well little did i know that that was bobby barber and al luber who are in the california beach volleyball hall of fame um <laughs> for winning the most uh games together okay little bitty guys you know here i'm this big hulking dude with a high jump and i'm bouncing the ball out of the you know off the sand and everything and they whipped us 15 to six and, oh, um, and the game was over before I even realized what the fuck was going on. I, I remember I had Chuck gave me a beautiful set. I went up and I was going to just bury the ball and the old man was right where I was going to be burying. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be known as the guy that, you know, hurt the old man. There he is, Bobby Barber. Um, <laughs> that guy. and, uh, that's it. 
Um, and so I tried to shoot it over his head and he sticks his little knuckle up and goes, and goes, ah, ah, and, and pops the ball straight up. He's running over to the net and his partner gives him this little low set, you know, it's not high or anything. And I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's probably just gonna barely go over the net here. And he goes, that same little knuckle, he goes, doink, and pops that thing right over my head. It's this close to the back line. I'm 15 feet away diving. I'm like, you know, okay. All right. So I'm going to next pass that I got. And he was in my line of fire. I'm like, okay, I'm going to knock him down. At least I'm not going to kill him, but I'm going to, you know, put some, put some mustard on this thing. And just boom. And it looked like he was waving hi to somebody walking by just this very smooth dig over, you know, <laughs> overhead dig like this. That ball was just barely down on his face. He goes, poof. And the same height as he when he knuckled that thing, and he took that same little run, and he, they were giggling the whole fucking time because they, <laughs> they're out there, you know, here's this big, chilling the fucking ball, and they're just running around going, making a shot right over there in the corner, gonna tuck it right back over here. No, I'm gonna put a ray out in the deep corner now. And, you know, same thing with this, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna cover my back line, motherfucker. I'm gonna stand right in the middle this time. And this time he gets that same little knuckle up there and just barely touches it, and it drops straight fucking down on our side. Next one I got, I wailed on it harder than I could ever hit. It hit that far out. Next thing I know, the game was over. <laughs> and I'm like thinking, man, fuck, the, fuck this, you know, professional two-man volleyball beat shit. This 73-year-old <laughs> man and 58-year-old man just cleaned my fucking clock. <laughs> you know? Um, afterwards, he comes over. He's like, hey, no, you're pretty good. You know, you should uh, work out with my son. You know, he's pretty good uh, coach i'm like yeah yeah whatever old man go fuck yourself um <laughs> but i mean that's what i, I didn't say that I, that's what i was thinking right. and i ended up meeting his son finally who actually is one of the top volleyball coaches in the fucking world like all wow. the all the big two-man beach volleyball players you can ever think of i remember going over to his place the first time i walk in he's like, i'll be out in a minute and then i looked up on the wall i'm like oh uh, fuck <laughs> oh 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 and okay wow he's the best He's the best, and here I am. I, his, his dad beat me. No wonder he beat me because his <laughs> son's the fucking, everyone's the best out here. And I just, I never could get a good partner. So luckily, I say luckily because if I would have been better at volleyball, my body would have been a wreck. Mm. It's already a little bit of a wreck now because of like 25 years on and off of playing volleyball. But um, art, as far as art goes, you know, it was the same thing. I came out here thinking, hey, you know, going to go an artist, you know, I'm going to go down to a gallery, give me a gallery. And they're like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Well, I see you're still living, and we only work with dead artists. So that was one of the, one of the, I swear to God, one of the galleries. You know, it's like sounds. I'm right. sure they appreciate living. that. I'm sure those dead artists appreciate that. You know, fucking you know, cunt. You guys, you guys in New York probably have that. A lot of people too, like uh, uh, going to the big city to 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 make it as a X Y Z. Yeah. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just wondering, like, do you feel like the success? Because here's the thing about New York. I feel like there is a culture of like you can be a New York poet, and there's a history of New York poets all the way like from the 1800s that's kind of like hung out in New York City, and you're kind of like living that life. So New York is in a sense of the world in that little small community, you know. But people come to LA and they try to make it in Hollywood. In Hollywood, it's like fucking brutal, obviously, and it's like a lot of people. You know, they end up like leaving. I'm just wondering. They, they're Dude, not, it's like, brutal in the streets, also. Well, yeah. They, oh, just yeah. to just to finish up with that. So, um, you know, I come out here, try to get in some art galleries, and like, you know, who the fuck are you? And so then, I you know, I saw the graffiti, and I'm like, man, I want to do something, but I couldn't think of anything. 
you know, and then uh, in 2010, we started making cuts in the education budget. My wife shows me the article in the newspaper and I'm like, that's when I'm going to start doing all kinds of images started coming up. And here's the funny part, you know, like um, there was a, a blog going along at the time called Merrill's and Fairfax uh, blogspot.com. And that's how I originally started becoming, you know, knowledgeable of other artists work and everything. And the, the interesting thing about this was you could leave an anonymous comment, which hmm. doesn't sound like a big of a deal, but what it allows you to do is to just rip someone a new asshole about their work and they don't even know who you are, right. which was the part where after I has been over and kicked in the balls with, with volleyball, here came the, the boot in the ass straight up in my ass is like, you know, I've been, you know, coddled and, and no, oh, you're such a good artist. You draw nice things, you know, all up until that point. And all of a sudden here I see my artwork and some dude, you know, coming down with what this teacher, teacher needs to fucking learn a lesson about this, that, and the other. And I'm like going, Oh, mm, well, that, that's the street art game, man. And especially damn. during that period of time, like graffiti it, artists were, uh, way more hostile vicious towards, you know like vicious. Quote, well they were given the right? they were given the forum they were given the forum you, you you open up you put some artwork up there and you allow people to say whatever the fuck they want without even having to let them people know who they are but you know what though i finally um you know got a thick skin you know calloused up and everything and realized that you know what i actually got some good ideas from some of what these guys were giving me shit about you know, when mm. I see some people hating on my shit, I'm like, oh, you know what? That gives me an idea because he's not seeing it the way I wanted to. And if I would have done this, then, oh, thank you. Thank you, asshole. So yeah. when you can start looking at it like that, which is what I finally eventually did, um, then that's when you start becoming a man or becoming a grown-up, I should say, when you become a man, when you masculine, you know, racist, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's when you become like a grown-up. And, and, and about your artwork and about the, the whole situation, you know, because I then you start looking at, well, if, are you doing this because why? If you get someone upset, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, and you start looking at things that way. And then it's like, well, if you're pissing some people off, you're at least getting across to somebody, you're making some people think, you know. So I think to tie it all back together about how the West Coast basically has affected all of us is that there's just so many different elements of, different cultures coming together in Los Angeles, just like New York, you know what I mean? There's like all these- it's a proving ground, just like New York, it's a proving ground. Yeah, and then I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, what I was trying to say is like, whether it's like these, uh, you know, gangster elements, whether it's the sunshine, whether it's just the street, you know, whether it's different artists coming together, you know, there are other, you know, LA is like uh, kind of like known to be a laid back city, but I would say actually amongst artists is very like brutal and cutthroat too, you, you know, just like in New York. Yeah, I, it can be. Oh yeah, you know, and, uh, and, so I, and I, yeah, go ahead. I think uh, you know, LA, New York, Miami. I think one of the biggest issues with those places is that you're not just competing with people from those areas, right? You're competing with the world because yeah. the world goes to those places to show their art, right? If you're and the in, world like, is watching, the world is watching. Yeah, if, you, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, you could probably walk into a gallery and be like, "I'm an artist," and they're like, "Oh, this is great. You're there's 50 people in this town. We're gonna put your art up." Um, but you go to LA, you go to Miami, you go to New York, these places. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of these galleries, they have waiting lists of artists from around the world that are waiting in a show. And they're like, well, your art is great. We can put you in for uh, 2035. How does that sound? <laughs> the thing is like, you know what? And I, maybe I, you'll I, be dead by then and it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the 
the thing is like you try know, to die soon okay <laughs> try to die soon getting that getting that gallery spot i mean like a lot of people feel like oh that's making it or you know doing a a show at some place like you know people think oh i'll i'll feel legitimate after i do that right you, you know what i mean a lot of a lot of people like think that way man and then you yeah. do the show and then you're like wait I didn't sell much money and I still feel the same way, but I did the show. How come I still don't feel legitimate? Like, you know, you, or for a DJ, like I, I played or I made this song and then a lot of people liked it. And like, uh, you know, it got thousands of fucking views. You know, I always like to ask my creative friends oh, they, when they tell me their plans, I'm like, okay. And then what? And then what? Right. And then mm -hmm. what? Because right. you know what? Teach always teaches me. He's like, dude, as an artist, man, you don't get to, retire man <laughs> you know you just you, i mean you, you can you can as an artist as an artist being a you, public artist technically you cannot retire you don't right. retire as an artist mm -hmm. until you're dead <laughs> you know what i mean so that's when and, your career then, starts. And, then and then that's when your career starts so yeah. be, be yeah. prepared be prepared <laughs> for that if you're prepared for that if you can take a full-on kick from david beckham and frighten the nutsack and get up and keep walking you're good and David be Beckham ain't even from LA, ain't that? It does something. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I have a uh, yeah. We have we have a follow up question. Uh, just keep we. Have, there's a few things here that we we do want to uh, get across to yeah. all the listeners. You know, because we do want them to take a listen to your podcast. But we have questions of our own. So um, you said podcasting picked up because of the pandemic. That's our same reason for even creating the podcast. Um, how has then, uh, I guess, location played a role in the building of your podcast? And I guess, let me give an example of that uh, in case I'm not clear, is that uh, the internet gives us accessibility to everybody everywhere, right? And so um, have you, in the building of your community, has, uh, has a podcast allowed you to stretch further than you planned? Want to answer, Teach? Yeah, um, basically, you know, we already have uh, our you know, Instagram pages, our YouTube channels, our Facebook pages, and every single artist have their own individual pages, right? Think about yeah. the podcast. It's like, hey, man, let's just take a, a, one of the most recent episodes we've done, Colette Miller. Okay. She had, she does the wings, you know, the beautiful yeah. purple pink wings. That and now planets. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, that's true that uh, everybody takes pictures in front of, right? How many Instagram models have you seen take a picture of it? You know, families yeah. take a picture, of, but nobody actually knows who didn't did the fucking right. art and it's like dude don't you think that somebody who's been around the world and done put these wings up at significant spots for a good message has some insight into life you, you know what i mean so yeah. that was our that was our actually our first interview and it's like uh 120 something episodes later we wanted to catch up with her too and we're basically that's that's the point of the podcast it's like everybody just takes digital art uh, especially on instagram as disposable you, you know what i mean it's like oh that's cool like it okay and then it made me happy for a split second and then i just move on you know but the thing is like there's if you want to actually know about these artists lives and they all have very interesting lives it it takes a very special person to put shit up in the streets for 10 years and you know my co-host is one of them basically too you know it's like what's the motivation behind uh doing this and also it's just like what keeps you going you know so the podcast really allows us to kind of expand on the artist's personalities instead of just letting their art speak for themselves while some artists right teach they they may not even want to come on the podcast right yeah and and uh it's 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 a shame because it seems like it a lot of times it's these uh graffiti artists or street artists who have done 
amazing things and some of them feel like they haven't done enough and it's like the door the door will always be open to everybody you know what i mean um but the last i mean we don't care if you're you know just getting started you know what i mean like um we try to either find something interesting about who we're um interviewing we always do and at the same time help to educate them a little bit as well as our audience so um we've had we talked to all sorts of people man i mean we've talked to like for example decided to open it up because like you know what if we just keep it to you know street and graffiti artists we're going to be limiting ourselves you know and and you know one of our reasons for doing this is to kind of educate people and open other people's eyes um, because a lot of people don't even know to look for this shit. But once you show them, once you show them, they can't, they can't not see it anymore. Well, you know what I mean? So sometimes all it takes is just that one little thing. It was like, you know what? When you're in an intersection, you see that box over there or you see that sign, look on the other side of it. Okay. I guarantee you there's always stickers. There's something going on there, you know? And as mm-hmm. soon as you let someone know, it's just that simple. Now they know to look. You know, I started doing this, uh, just taking a look at it when a lot of my friends, like, we didn't have a lot of, like, as much money or uh, things, to, you know, money to go do events. And you know what? You can make a day out of just walking down Melrose and, like, checking out the different street artists, man. You know what I mean? Like, talk, you know, maybe do some window shopping because you don't have any money. And that's what I love about street art, man, and public art. It's not just the murals, man. It's like, okay, you painted a big mural, like, to me, that's actually less interesting than the guy that's fucking stuck a sticker like all the way across the country. I'm like, I want to talk to you. Like, why, why are you doing that, man? Like, everybody wants to paint on the big wall, right? Yeah. You know, get their uh, big image on a wall and then, you know, you can see it from a million miles away, right? But the yeah. thing is, like, the OGs of the OGs, like Trevor Ferry, they started off with a sticker, man. Like, I, I knew what Obey was before I even knew about what street art was, man. My, You mm. know, because I would just see the the Andre the Giant shit around and by the time I actually found out about street art I realized I thought back on all the times I had seen that and I was like oh shit was it that one dude like that was doing it the entire time right Mm -hmm. and I would say that you start to see like a ghost of the person actually slapping it up there or putting the stencil up there when you see their art you know and that's just something I I want to share with people because, um, you know, people always say like, oh, it's really specific, James, like the type of art you like. I'm like, oh, actually, it's not. It's actually public for everybody. You know what I mean? You just have to kind of like take the time to, to understand the culture a little bit. And, you know, underground culture is always like that. It's like, yeah. why do you people like to go raving? Why do people like, uh, you know, underground hip hop that's not on the radio, right? Yeah. You, you know, it's, it has a deeper kind of like meaning to it than the just the general consumption of, Oh, it's good. Let me like, it's not fast food. And also know that it's not all going to be great. There's going to be some shit out there, you know, but it doesn't mean you should stop or, you know, be judgmental. It's like, you know what? Find the art that appeals to you. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you it's out there somewhere. Sure. I've also also found that, you know, let me just finish. The cool thing about street art is that, you know what? The community is like not, uh, I would say polluted enough yet where that there's like, uh, you know, corporate sponsors will try to come in and make it commercial. And then thing is like, whenever they try, it's always like just some, you know, not- They realize they're working with artists and, <laughs> and artists it's always, are usually it's a always watered, crazy, so. It's always watered down, you know? So the cool thing about, I think about LA Shore Gallery is like, you know, it's, it's the community of artists for the artist. And then like, you know, we've always just done a good job at 
not really focusing on beef between the artists or anything like that. Just being a documenter, man, because okay. this art is temporary. You know, it's all, it may only be up for a day, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, then, and then it gets buffed, right? So uh, right. depending on what area you're in. So, you know, our LA Strat Gallery can, has kind of been a hub for that. And uh, it's a nice little uh, platform to kind of launch other uh, products that you guys like podcasts, parties, paints, and things yeah. like that too. You know, we want to just keep it in the family of the people that, um, you, you know, like they, they understand the scene. Yeah. Right. I, uh, go ahead. You, go ahead Jay. No, I was just going to, I wanted to circle back on, I, I feel like a lot of the things that you had just touched upon when you're talking about things like underground hip hop, these underground rage, street art, um, to me, the the theme that kind of connects them all is this, the lack of a focus on commerce. How, how much do you feel that that feeds into it, right? Because, I you know, agree. you have these underground hip hop artists. Yep, they don't care about getting their song. Well, they care about getting their song on the radio, but it's not their end goal, right? Their end goal is to make really great music. Same thing with the street yeah. artists. Like, they're not going to get paid for the, you know, mo most of them are not going to get paid for a wall, but... You know, do you think that well, that goes back to kind of what uh, James was talking about earlier with how certain artists uh, they circle in and out you know like they come into the into the scene thinking oh you know my shit's gonna be great you know I'm gonna people are gonna dig me they're gonna want to buy my shit I'm gonna be up in galleries I'm gonna be kicking ass and everything and then when that doesn't happen they kind of slowly you know drizzle out you know mm. um, but um, you know when uh, when they can come in and you know, somehow, uh, you know, strike a nerve, um, then, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting to see, um, what it does to them, you know, because, um, you know, there's guys out there that will go and they'll find a spot that has never even been thought of touching before and they'll do a piece and they won't even take a picture of it and they'll walk away. Mm. Those are the OG soul graffiti writers. You know what I mean? They like to find these spots that no one has ever done before. They put their piece up. Um, a God, A-G-O-D, uh, is a name that comes to mind. Virgin spots only is one of his hashtags. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's inspiring to me. that This guy is, is trying to make sure that he doesn't hit spots that have already been found and hit. And then a lot of times, um, it's not even him taking a picture of his shit. It's someone else that's taking a picture and has posted it. Right. Um, so there's, you know, uh, there's a therapeutic, you know, side of it. Um, but when it comes to the, the commerce side, um, you know, uh, the problem is, like I was saying a minute ago, you're, you're dealing with a bunch of artists. <laughs> and when you get corporate heads in and they're, you know, trying to, okay, we'd like to have uh, these six artists. We like these six artists, okay? And then, you know, all of a sudden these six artists – couple of them think that they're you know better than the other artists so they've spent more time they've served more time or whatever and so they they want to make sure that they're receiving more money than you know they want to make sure the money is right you know and it's like you hate to see that but mm -hmm. it's real it's it's what happens sometimes yeah and that's why it's like i feel like you know understanding the artists and understanding the scene is like first and foremost of anything that you want to get into you know I, it's kind of teach just reminded me of something real quick that just happened in the news recently did you guys hear about um how like uh six people got arrested because they tried to change the hollywood sign <laughs> to hollywood no <laughs> no <laughs> okay. did not hear that like okay so this this, this just happened to me yeah, I, I saw, saw that 
I saw that, I laughed, and I was like, this is exactly what Teach is talking about. This is somebody new, okay? You know, they thought, <laughs> boob. Let's let's change that. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no, you know what they they were saying that it was it was one of the guys that were were with them or whatever was trying to say it was a uh, you know um, breast cancer awareness um, you know uh, stunt to help bring uh, attention to breast cancer awareness, which is a clever thing to say, you know. And they got away with just trespassing charges. That's it because they did not deface. It was they were just putting blankets up on it, so that's okay. why they didn't get charged. Going back to what I was saying is that a lot of people dabble in street art real quick just to kind of like make a um, make a statement a lot of times. But, you know, the, the people that have been in for the long term, like teach, like uh, a lot of the artists that we interviewed, that, that's the one that we the ones that we really care about, man, because like we want to understand like why they are doing it and then come from a place that when we have events, when we have podcasts and things like that, you, you know, we're not asking them stupid questions and things like that like i've i've worked with uh large companies and actually i won't say the name of this one but it's actually they told me that teacher wouldn't be a good candidate to actually give a tour uh give an explanation for street art because he's been arrested before now tell me that's like not understanding the culture like at all basically right you know you know what i mean like do you understand what it is that you want to learn (laughs) you you know what i mean so like to me it's and his name's teacher <laughs> like bigger brands, they'll come in and then, you know, they always have some sort of design because they watch exit through the gift shop and they're like, we want to do this. We want like a, a big like wheat paste on the side of a building. You know, they have like an idea. But the thing is, like, again, they're using the, the culture of street art for their own commerce. Like, like you said, Jay. Mm-hmm. I mean, know, it's appropriation I, and it's, and it's, it's all right. I, sure. I think the thing that makes it cool that you said is that connects all these underground cultures of artists. It doesn't matter if you're a musician. If you're a visual artist, if you're a dancer, I mean, we congregate at these underground places. It's like, dude, people aren't getting rich off these underground parties and things like that. You know, people, I mean, there are, of course, underground rappers that like make it, but they're not getting the radio play and the album sales that like, you know, dude, rest in peace to like a couple rappers I want to shout out. Like MF Doom just died recently. Double K from um, people from under the stairs died recently, Mm -hmm. man. It's like, if, if you're just a casual hip hop fan, You've never heard of these people before, but it's like the, the reason why there's so much love outpouring for MF Doom, man, it's because his albums mean so much to the artists and the people who actually create a lot of this art, man. You know, it touches yeah. people in a different way than, you know, you could find me in the club, bottle full of bub kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, not, not to say that that's not a great track. Right. Moment in time, right? You know, right place, right yeah. time, you know? But like normally when I'm listening to something that I want to feel thoughtful and it's in the uh, rap genre, I'm listening to something like in the underground genre, man. You know, mm. it's not some like club club stuff because I'm not in the club, you know? So yeah. uh, that was real insightful, Jay. And I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I used to... I used to think I knew about music. And then uh, for a while I was designing for undergroundhiphop.com and I would have conversations with some of the people that work there. And I'm like, who? What? Huh? Like, <laughs> what is it? What person? What? And I was, and I was like, I felt like... I had just like learned about hip hop. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I can't even have a conversation with you guys. Like, and especially in New York, man. I mean, to be honest, like a lot of New York rappers, like, you know, I didn't hear about Big L until after like he passed, man. Because, you know, on the, when, when all that stuff was going on, we couldn't really hear Nas on the radio that much. You know, maybe one song with Lauren mm-hmm. Hill, you know what I mean? But we weren't getting played like 
you know, unless you were handed like a mixtape from your homie who knew hip hop, man. Yeah, yeah. You weren't gonna get like East Coast shit. Like, you know, I was on the Tupac Army, man. I, I didn't like Biggie just because Tupac told me not to like Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, if, but the thing is like, to be honest, it's just like I had only really heard Juicy uh, play on the radio sometimes. It's like, dude, I, I mean, I, it's a great song, but it's just like the separation of East Coast and West Coast was like a lot more when, um, when we were younger, like different sure. markets for different stuff is like, it's real separated. And I'm sure that's how it is in the art scene too. And even more so in the graffiti scene. I don't see mm. a lot of graffiti guys being able to uh, necessarily have the funds to go out on the, to go out to the East coast to do a tour unless, uh, you know, they're, they have some pretty good. There stuff. are a few, yeah, there are a, exactly. a few graffiti artists that, you know, I've, I've seen over the ages and then I'm wondering to myself, damn, do you have a sponsor or how the, how the fuck are you getting all over the world <laughs> getting up like crazy? And I don't ever see you doing any posts saying, you know, sold, thank you so much, grateful to sell this, or, you know, I've yeah. sold, sold, whatever. It's like, hey, you know what? Um, that just could be their thing, you know? Like, uh, they don't feel like they need to make money off of it. And I know there are some graffiti artists that are like that. They just like to go put their stuff up, and that's it. You know, like, they like the nod, as right. they say. You know what I mean? They like getting the nod, which is just basically someone acknowledging um, them for what they're doing. So, yeah. I think so we, thing. James, go ahead, finish that thought. And we have two things that we just want to wrap up with. Oh yeah. No, I, I was just saying, saying that I think like, uh, the recognition from your peers is something that I didn't learn was so important as an artist until, uh, you know, at first you start doing whatever you are interested in because your ego, you think you're pretty good, right? You, you know what I mean? And then you're like, all right, I just want to express myself. You know what I mean? And then you get to a point where you've expressed yourself and then you actually need the recognition from your peers that you respect actually, yeah. to actually feel legitimate as an artist, man, or else like you're just an amateur. So I was just saying that like that nod actually that teacher's talking about is actually a lot of the reason for a lot of artists to continue, man. They don't necessarily do it for the money. They actually just do it. It's like, hey man, I belong in this group this community i have respected peers you know what i mean so anyways that's yes. what i was gonna say yeah so we said his name and i guess it's only right that that we quote him now nah, i said props is a true thug's wife right so <laughs> i love that uh, man. so hey, nice. no I was, um, I was just wondering like um you know uh i always like to ask east coast people man like at any like uh uh which one of the uh, west coast rappers do you guys like uh feel you know do you guys like kind of like uh, feel man because like a lot of times do you fuck with as they say yeah yeah he teaches alpha the lingo you know because a lot Check of times me out. i got i gotta say man like you know west coast like a lot of times in the 90s man like the, the lyricism and things like that were a little under par compared to a lot of the east coast guys you know but we had a certain vibe you, you know like i said that kind of like gangster lean that you know fucking weed smoking kind of like that this whole thing you know, you know what i mean so were there any yeah. west coast rappers that like you guys kind of like tip your hat to when you growing up like growing up yeah growing up growing up i like, feel like growing up maybe maybe i have a skewed uh thought back to it i feel like i was exposed to you know west coast music um i did like you know tupac and there was definitely kids in my class at like Tupac and it was it was weird because it was in the midst of the whole East Coast West Coast well, thing see, see at first when Tupac was came out here we all know that he's from New York though yeah, he yeah. Rapped like a New York person all of a sudden yeah. he just came out here and then was like what's funny is that on our podcast actually one of the graffiti writers actually 
uh, uh, met Tupac when he first moved out to California and he tells a really great story on it. It's the episode with Fish One, but um, you okay. know, so it's like he first uh, came out here. He was a New York rapper. His flow was very New York, man. I mean, if you look at mm -hmm. like guys like Ice Cube, you know, and things like that, it's like they always, easy, people always joke, those are like kindergarten raps, man. Like, you know, I mean, the, the, the rhyme scheme, the flow, it wasn't as intricate as a lot of like the, the East Coast guys, you, you know, I mean, they were doing like a different rhythm. Like Jay-Z was super choppy, you know. Our guys were, you know, just kind of like rhyming on the beat, like old school style. But the thing is, mm -hmm. it was just the topics and things like that. So I, I guess I'm just saying like, is, was Ice Cube, you, you know, like uh, uh, respected out there? Was Snoop Dogg respected out there? Cause like a lot of times I feel like it was, uh, uh, you know, New York guys tell me different. Uh. I don't know if it was a level. I don't know if we can go to respect. I mean, <laughs> to each their own. To each their own. I don't think there was any. I don't remember anyone being like, you know, I don't respect those artists. Um, I mean, I remember listening to Snoop. You okay. know, when Snoop okay. dropped that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't deny like when Snoop dropped Doggy music style, when right? we were younger. It was yeah. It was like you had yeah. to, to vibe to it. And I, I think, got a fucking story about Doggy Style, if I may quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the first time I got in trouble for drawing because I started drawing all types of ass coming out of a doghouse because of the doggy style cover. My parents found that shit and it got really weird in the house. <laughs> we got a, wait, we got a story to top that story, actually. We had, <laughs> we had Joe Cool, who actually is Snoop Dogg's cousin, who drew that cover on our podcast as like the fourth episode, man. And you guys gotta, you guys gotta go back and- uh, Boy, you talk about a boot camp of a fucking interview. Holy shit. James and I looked at each other at one point, and we're just like, <laughs> now, now Crespo, you, you got you got a corner in the back behind you, right? Yeah. All right, right. Yeah. There's a corner where the walls like meet each other, right? Yeah, like yeah, right yeah. up there. Joe Cool forever changed my mind on or changed look my at view on how to look at a corner because he told me that when he was locked up in prison, he would see a corner and he would see two legs and a pussy, like right in the corner, basically. So he'd draw hair so he up in there. Like, like a hair at the crack right there. So the gentleman in the prison would have something oh, nice man. to look at, man. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying that. This that was yeah. shortly into the, uh, into the interview. <laughs> wow. It was like, okay, how do we segue uh, to Is something that... Not safe for work else. after that. Anything else? What do you, what do you got, James? Can, can we talk about some fucking, I don't know, man. That's food it's changed it to food all right. Too late. Sorry. all right now i want to redirect <laughs> quick <laughs> Harry. Uh, good idea since creating a podcast uh has have you seen uh, or has it resulted in increased traffic into your individual endeavors yeah uh, i'll go first i'll go first you know i dj shows and things like that and i would say like the street art scene is adjacent to <clears throat> the music scene you know the the underground uh, uh, rave scene, the party scene, right? So I've actually had graffiti artists like come to my shows uh, without even knowing. They just say, hey, I, I listen to the podcast, man. I just want to come out to one of your shows. And I was like fucking blown away, man. I was just, shout out to figure, man. I mean, like, uh, it, you know, to me, it just shows like, hey, man, you know, you start podcasts in the future as censorship gets more and more, man. It's just like, hey, you actually have your own voice to express yourself. And that's what I value. What about you, Teach? I mean, have you seen any like uh, increase in followers or uh, people, you know? I don't really pay attention. <laughs> oh, okay. But, um, but uh, you know, what I, what I have noticed is that it's um, developed a, uh, a little bit closer relationship with the, um, with the fans that I do have. 
oh. um, people that actually put comments down and stuff and, and you know, that actually, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it seems like it's, um, I guess, it's, it's basically another effort in the art world. I was telling James not long ago that um, another reason why I enjoy doing the podcast is because uh, it makes me feel like I don't necessarily need to go out and get some artwork done, you know, to show that I've done something, yeah. you know, because here I am, I'm doing something yeah. here by trying to help other artists, yeah. you know, and by doing that, I'm also helping myself because I'm putting myself in that position, creating legacy. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> when, when we first got started, I never finished this. Um, uh, you know, I told James, you know, okay, sure, I'll give it a shot and everything. And that I was kind of worried about filling up the content because of that one podcast I had done and talked so much. It only been 10 fucking minutes. Um, and so the first podcast we did was actually um, the night before my second solo art show. Mm. And James came by the, the gallery and I was just going to spend the night in the gallery so I could have some peace and quiet, be away from the kids and the wife and everything. And, um, you know, he's really kind of considerate, you know, he goes, Hey man, look, I know you told me, you know, we can do this, but you know, I still, you still got a little bit of stuff to do. We can do this another night. I'm like, nah, dude, come on. Let's, you know, in my mind, I'm going, let's go ahead and get this first one over with. Cause I don't know if I can do it, you know, how this is going to go or whatever. And so we, we got started, you know, we just started chatting about how it all got started and, and the guy that was doing the, the blog from the beginning or whatever. And it didn't really seem like long after that, that he was like, uh, okay, man, that's an hour. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I have so much more that I could have said and, and could have gone on for like hours. Yeah. And it was right at that point I knew I'm like, dude, I can, we can do this. We can absolutely fucking do this because if just he and I can just easily, very easily just go on for an hour we can easily do an hour with someone else. Sure. So, and one of the things like I always feel too, is like, you know, um, like when the George Floyd incident happened, man, you know, um, we had a podcast that day actually, and uh, all that shit hit. And then like, we were, we, we were just going to come on. Actually, we had a guest cancel on us because he felt like it was like insensitive to, I guess, do a podcast that day or something like that. Okay. So, so I was just like, okay, well, uh, we're still going to do a podcast, man. So actually, we allowed, it allowed us to have the time to talk to each other about sure. the situation, man. Like, it was a, such a fucked up situation, George Floyd, that it's like, dude, yeah, like, everybody's kind of locked up in their own homes. And, um, you know, nobody really has uh, anybody to talk to about. And um, No I felt, sounding board, no outlet at all. Yeah, I felt right. like um, a lot of people reached out to us and said, hey, that was a great episode, man. We started mm. that uh, uh episode off with uh, uh for what it's worth by uh, buffalo springfield it's a classic rock song that they commonly played in the 60s um uh, a protest song you know mm -hmm. and then it was just like a lot of Something's people said that happening here. yeah exactly you know and th that that's it's just like it gave a lot of people uh, the ability to commiserate with us you, you know it's just like hey it's not just me feeling that way it's you know james and teach like they're, they're just dudes you know true like hanging out on the podcast and they feel this way too so uh you know, that's what I, I, I've been listening to podcasts for like, I don't know, over a decade, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, that's one of the things like I love about podcasts. Sometimes it's just like, if you don't have anybody to share your thoughts with, if you can listen to somebody else talk about it, it actually helps you expand your mind and uh, palette on the, uh, the what's going on too. So 
Um, going back to your original question, like how has the podcast like kind of like increased um, just our, our brands or our, yeah. our avenues, man? I mean, it just has increased me better. Uh, it helped me better as a person to, I guess, like process my own feelings too, man, you know? And, uh, and you know, we have people that fans or listeners that can reach out to us, man. And I think like, you know, it just like brings that like closeness to whoever you're talking to. Cause these are people that listen to you every single week. And, um, you know, I have podcasts I listen to every single day. Yeah. And I literally yeah. depend on those podcasts to get through my day, you, you know, mm. and uh, I'm glad we can bring some happiness to people and make people laugh and uh, also help out some artists, uh, you know, jump on the platform and introduce themselves. Right on. Right on. Jay. All right. So uh, if you guys have heard any of our episodes before and if anyone else has heard our podcast before, we know we always end our shows the same way. It's a segment that we like to call uh, copy, collab, erase. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to give you uh, three names. You're going to choose who you would copy, who you want to maybe copy their style, who you would love to collaborate with, and then one person has to go. Uh, <laughs> so our three names today in our West Coast edition of the One Love Art Sessions are Dr. Dre, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Jack Nicholson. Mm. Mm, that's good well i mean for me it's like f murder kill right but uh yes it's, it's copy yeah 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 it's copy collab <laughs> and erase and erase yeah. you don't have to fuck anybody yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that. all right you want to go first peach because like uh um, well uh you said jack nicholson yeah correct he can go he's too fucking old you know what i mean he's had his time i appreciate him i love him and everything he's got to go you know what I mean? He's fucking crazy now. Um, so that leaves uh, Ice Cube. And Dre, Dre and, and the Peppers. Dre and the Hot. And, um, Red Hot. Well, I've already collaborated with one of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Dave Navarro. So oh, yeah. uh, we'll just go with collaborate on them. And sure, the Cube, I'll copy that motherfucker. Badass okay. motherfucker. Dre, but. There you go. Dre, Cube, what's. It's no, don't say it. Old. Don't finish that statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I hate to be so unoriginal, but like, uh, you know, you know, I would say, I, you know, I, I would probably copy the Red Hot Chili Peppers more than I copy Dre. And I would, yeah. uh, you, you know, I would collab with Dre. And then, like I said, I, I respect Jack Nicholson for a lot of his older work man one flew over cuckoo's nest i mean it's it's like amazing movie man but uh you know his new shining stuff. yeah yeah exactly not but gonna hurt you Mindy. chinatown right i just watched just it gonna recently. bash your brains <laughs> that's a pretty good impression deech but uh you know you know i think i think like uh i'll definitely I, I respect the red hot chili peppers a lot man because um i mean they're just a very la band man and uh you know at the end of the day like everybody's picked up a guitar and tried to play under the bridge before right you know what I mean? And um, no, I, mean, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you tried, yeah, plus we uh, we interviewed Dave so a couple three times now, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, to me, like, uh, uh, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers as a band, man, they just represent uh, LA a lot, man. While Dre represents like Compton and, and everything like that, to me, um, uh, like I said, I would love to collaborate with Dre one day, man. That would be great, but I, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I do, I do hip hop. I do uh, uh, mainly house music these days. Yeah. Y you know, I've, I've done, uh, you know, all sorts of music, man. But at the end of the day, I think, uh, like I said, I, um, I just have a 
utmost respect for Red Hot Chili Peppers just because okay. uh, they're definitely sealed in the, the rock history as one of the ultimate bands. Uh, you know, and originals. Rock, like. rock, rock music is rock music is, I mean, kind of dead these days, man. I mean, like what bands are coming up that aren't like Imagine Dragon sounding, dude? You know, you know. <laughs> oh, dude, everything's been done. Everything's been fucking done. Same with the art world. You know what I mean? All it is is just a combination of things that have already been done at this point. Yeah, well, sampling each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Exa exactly. You know, and I think that uh, I'm not. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to come off like that, but that's just all it is at this point. Everything's been done. Hell yeah. I mean, you know, I think like that, that's a pretty good question, though. I, I like those, man. And uh, we, should, we should start having like segments like these on our, on our show, <laughs> too, man. Like be more professional, Peach. <laughs> like, for us, Gentlemen. Honestly, yeah, for us, honestly, uh, you know, it's, it's so awesome hanging out with you guys, man. I, I love the show. Yeah. You guys got to come on our show, too, and kick it, too. We got to ask you some of uh, our questions, man. But. Yeah, for sure, man. We, we have, uh, we'd love that. Um, we love your podcast. Keep doing what you do. Thank you for making time for us. Um, and we yeah. hope that we can continue to you. get your word out of your podcast because you two guys are awesome um, and your guests are incredible and there's so much to learn. Uh, so anybody who is looking uh, to just learn more about the craft, learn more about street art, learn more about uh, the community that exists because of it, um, you know, we're going to send them over your way. So thanks. Oh, yeah, man. And, and you, you know have what? A, thanks, man. you have any artists, West Coast artists that want some East Coast exposure, you let us know. Oh, yeah, Just yeah, yeah. We got any up-and-coming artists, man, send them our way. We would and love to know, chat it up with, with people we've never heard of before. We're sure. going to send you guys uh, some uh, spray paint, too, guys. Uh, no doubt, man. Like, oh, uh, I'm with that. Because, like, we're going we're gonna to kind of – what we're basically going to do is we're going to give every single one of our partners a code so you can actually uh, earn per can that you're selling it with, too. You, you right. know what I mean? So uh, we'll talk to you guys a little bit more about that off the air, man. But yeah. a lot of different things coming, man. Well, uh, um, whatever information you want us to distribute and share with our listeners as well, please feel free to send it over to us and we'll get that into to everybody. Dude, anyone, anyone that has been on any of our shows uh, you guys are interested in, let us know. We'll slide them a quick note for you. And Yeah. Shout out to, to Chris because he's been on both of our shows, RWB, RWK, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, oh, yeah. <laughs> Robots will kill. Yeah, yeah man. Yes. Uh, you know, congratulations to Chris uh, RWK on his most recent Up magazine cover, man. It's yep. super dope, and it's got an advertisement to go spray paint inside that magazine, man. So oh. follow us at Go Spray Paint on Instagram, and uh, follow us at PTTP Show on Instagram, and uh, you'll find all that good stuff there, man. My music's there, teaches art is there, and uh, uh, like I said, all that good stuff. Thanks, fellas. Well, this is where we'll end up cutting our, our podcast. But uh, again, uh, I'm you know, just trying to trying to make time for one another. Teach you just getting off the road. And James, man, thank you for being so responsive. I appreciate it for real. Um, yeah, we're 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 youth. We're the youth of podcasts compared to what yeah, you guys yeah. are doing right now. Um, well, dude, we're we're stoked to see you. You know what I mean? Um, not many people are are trying to do this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it takes a, a certain type of person and, um, you know, we, we like to do anything we can, can to help you guys keep doing it. So yeah. And, yeah, appreciate and guys, awesome. like we didn't get to know too. I mean, we heard a little bit about you guys, but honestly, we'd love to invite you on our show. Like maybe in a, like a month or two or something like that, just kind of like talk about yourselves too. Cause you know, what's funny, like we actually don't get a chance to, I like, I never get to talk about my music, which is kind of cool unless other people interview me because the podcast is very like art focused. You, you know, yeah. I, I, I release mm -hmm. my songs, but it's just like at the end of the day, it's cool talking about like hip hop and all kind of all this other shit too. You, you know what I mean? So 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really appreciated. Uh, we we realize that. I, so we've constantly been evolving in, into the podcast into what it is, uh, but we've we've have since expanded, and and we just our guests are just creatives. So you know, mm-hmm. while our focus is maybe uh, fun, is is art, you know, uh, our guests are not limited to that, and we just you know poets, content producers, you know, whoever whatever you're doing to be creative and, and to give to this world something that we don't have. You know, saying we this yeah, is this is yeah. definitely the place for you. Are you guys yep. linked with the Up Magazine's guy at all? Just curious. Um, just follow them, but okay. we're not. I'm not. Yeah, it's not part of our. He's not. They're not part of our network. I know it's snowing right now and everything like that. But like I said, we're gonna once we we actually have a uh, plans to shoot. Um, we have this idea to shoot like kind of like a, a an episode for different cities in New York and L.A. Just exploring the art districts of every single city. Mm, actually. That's cool. It's a shoot off mm. with the podcast that, um, you know, me and teacher are going to start once the weather starts getting better. We're actually going to shoot our first episode in Las Vegas uh, next month. You, you know, I mean, so, uh, you know, I mean, whether it gets picked up or not, we don't really care. We're still going to do it. You know, what I mean, yeah. but we're going to try to make it like super like Anthony Bourdain meets street art, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, so uh, hopefully we can- These days it's easy. Like oh, it's the amount of, of equipment that you need. It's minimal. And well, luckily this dude in, uh, is good with editing and uh, as a, our friend Mitchell, um, it's good with the camera yeah. stuff. So try to keep it simple as possible. And yeah. When we come Cheap out as possible. New York and shoot that episode, I mean, definitely we'd love to just like meet up with you guys. And then, like I said, you could be in the episode and shit like that just to promote the podcast. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's just kind of like a long-term thing of the, the podcast that's going to keep on going, you know? It's just like yeah, one yeah, series, yeah. right? So awesome job, awesome. man. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, yeah. man. That yeah. would definitely support you on that endeavor. Yeah, and I'll shoot, yeah. you guys the, uh, I'll shoot you guys the trailer so you can check it out of like, okay. our idea of everything, all right? Yeah, no doubt, okay, man. Cool. Gentlemen, thank you. Awesome. One Love Art Sessions couldn't have been complete without the wonderful guests and even more so, our wonderful community. And you, our listeners, we'd truly appreciate it if you took some time to rate and review the podcast. With your help, we could increase listenership and get these incredible stories and messages out to a greater audience. The music used in this podcast was created by Pound, aka Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. One Love. One Love.